Hello everyone out there in podcast land. This is your host Severin Henderson again for another episode of Department 3C Presents, a podcast connected to fire. Before we get the episode started, I just wanted to give a quick overall view of what it is I do because a lot of people keep saying, what is it that you do and what are you offering? What is our call to action? What do you want to happen? Well, let me start off by telling you this. I am a business consultant. I am a life coach. I am a public speaker and I am a marketing consultant. So if you need anything to do with business of any type, please reach out to me. My email address is info at d3cpresents.com. That's info at d3cpresents.com. And at the same time, I want to speak to you and I want to be able to get you going in the right direction with any business that you need going. In addition to that, we have a phone number and we have an office that you can come to and visit us if you schedule an appointment. Our telephone number is 1-855-969-3538. You can expect to see a number from us there if you ever want to reach out. And the website is www.d3cpresents.com. And we look forward to speaking to you and serving you in any way we can. And always remember, we're here when you need us. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is your host, Severin Henderson, back again with another episode of Department 3C Presents, a podcast connected to fire. Today, I have the opportunity to speak with a friend and someone I've known for longer than 20 years. I mean, we only kept touch over social media which is why social media is so beautiful but at the same time we started off going to class together in the ninth grade all the way through the 12th grade we graduated together and this young lady has gone on to make a career out of mental health and behavioral wellness that i truly envy and i put a call to action out for podcast guests and i was talking about how People are like stray cats and they won't show up. And she hit me up. She said, hey, what you doing is pretty good. And I would like to come on and talk about it, get myself outside of that comfort zone. And I want to get going and I wanted to help. So it all worked out. Camille, how are you today? Yes. I'm doing correction. We actually were in elementary school together, I think. In my kindergarten class, you're in that picture. Oh, so, snap. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we were, did you go to Nathaniel Hawthorne? Were you? Nope, I didn't go to Nathaniel Hawthorne. No, you were not. Okay. So, but but definitely elementary school, you're in some of my pictures. Okay. So. I'm sorry. Well, I apologize for that. <laughs> I, I remember the high school days more than I can yeah. remember back to those days. But you know what? The thing is, you were so quiet, Mike. Uh-huh. I was and I actually um, remember senior year um, you know like most popular this or that and so I um, was voted quietest <laughs> yep. and prettiest hair yes <laughs> and we took that horny picture in the library <laughs> yeah yeah I was on the yearbook committee and getting rounding everybody up for things so yep yeah yeah 
Well, now I have the opportunity to get all of that quietness up out of you and have you talk on this podcast because it's all about talking. So tell us what you've been up to, what you've been doing, what what you have going on, all that other good stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have been, um, I've been a mental health provider for about like 14 years, so since like 2007. Um, But I went back to school in 2014 to get my master's to become um, a licensed mental health provider, a therapist. Um, So I've been officially a licensed therapist since 2017. So that's what I've been doing. Okay, so 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So a good four or five years. Mm -hmm. Coming up on five years, yeah. How's that career been going for you? And you moved out of Ohio, too, because that's another thing that I talk to people about. Mm -hmm. So I moved out of Ohio, I think. So I went to University of Cincinnati right after high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, I moved back home because I got my my degree in something. How many of us get our degree in something that we don't use, right? Exactly. Business economics. Um, went back home, kind of gathered myself, went to Cleveland State for a little bit, and then I went to grad school um, in D.C. So I left in 05 okay. and moved to D.C. Um, and so I got my first degree. I was actually going to school to be a school psychologist, but then life happened, so I did not finish. Um, and so then I kind of sat sat out for a little bit, a few years, to kind of collect myself um, figure out what I wanted to do. My intention was to go back and finish my degree. Um, but in 2010, preparing to come, I actually came back to Ohio. I was going to live with my mom. Um, and I was going to go to John Carroll and finish my school psych degree. And then my mom died. Oh, okay. unexpectedly. Yeah. I'm, yeah. You know what? And that's um, what I was going to say, because I remember the John Carroll part of the story. And I don't remember where I knew that from, because I was supposed to go there too for half a second. And I remember what you said about your mom. So mm-hmm. even though through this time, yeah. we're very sorry to hear about that. Thank you. Yeah, but that kind of changed the trajectory of everything um, because my husband, I was going to start school, find a job. We were two kids in at that point. Um, and then she died and I just like life just stopped Yeah. Um, for me. And I went back to Maryland um, and just was a stay at home mom for like several years before I got back into the um, into working and so then I was a mental health provider in in Arlington County Virginia so I did um, that for about three years and then my husband got a promotion it's raining here so you might hear thunder no it's um, but okay so my um my husband got a promotion down here um, in North Carolina and he went to college here he played ball um, down here at a college um, outside of outside of Raleigh, so we moved here, um, purchased our home, and we've been here ever since. So about eight years, yeah. That's wonderful to hear, and it's so mm-hmm. it's so beautiful to hear that you were able to bounce back from such a tragedy. I know we all expect to lose parents at some time or another, but it's like when mm-hmm. it does happen, it's like. It just hits us like no other. I had the um, same thing happen when I first moved here to Chicago to be a firefighter. Me and my dad would Uh talk on the phone all the time. Like, oh, I can't wait to come up here. I can't wait to come up there. Next thing you know, he passed away unexpectedly. So very understandable. Yeah. 
And it's and it's hard. I actually um, because I do so on the weekends. I do private practice during the week, Monday through Friday. I can't say who I work for. Um, I am not allowed to say that. Um, no, we out, like we don't need to know. What I, but I work with. I, so I work with veterans um, with PTSD during the week. Um, but on the weekend, I have my own private practice. Mm-hmm. And today, I actually my last session for the day. Um, my client, her dad died today. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. very so. It was kind of like right. So, um, processing it's it's hard. Like it's a hard loss, especially I think when it's unexpected, like when you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a hard space to be. I would say that's definitely harder than kind of knowing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you kind of expect your grandparents to go before you and everything, and you kind of prepare to know, okay, Uh they're older, this is my time with them. But when a parent that's close to you when you're young just goes unexpectedly, it's a a lot harder tragedy to deal with. Yeah, yeah. I will say it's really odd to me. Like, it wasn't – it was unexpected when it happened, and I feel like my mom was preparing me my whole entire life for that moment. Um, she was born with a congenital heart defect. She had a, um, she was an identical twin. Her twin died at four months. And, um, but my mom struggled. She was sick her whole life. And so I remember being a child and her always saying, you know, like, if I pass away, this is where I want you to live. Mm-hmm, this it. is who I want you to be with. Um, she would say, I really hope I live long enough to see you graduate from high school and to see you graduate from college and to see you have children, right? Um, she would always say, like, if I pass away, the way I came in is the way I want to go out. Don't donate my organs. Don't do X, Y, Z. If I need life support, don't sustain life that way. That's not what I want. So when it actually happened, it was a gift because she prepared me. Um, and it was peace in the sense that she got to see me graduate from high school. She got to see me get my undergrad degree and one of my masters. She got to see two of her grandchildren. And um, my daughter was three months when she passed. My daughter was born on her birthday. Oh, my goodness. So, mm-hmm. Don't don't start yeah. that on me. I, I've been I've been sitting here <laughs> talking to people for a long time. You're going to make me tear up. Well, if you can you see the video, I'm already tearing up. But that's beautiful. That's that's absolutely yeah. positively beautiful. Your only child? Mm-hmm. I am. Believe it. So there's okay. So let me tell you this crazy story really quickly. Okay. So have you heard of ancestry? You, you heard of ancestry.com, right? Absolutely. Ancestry. Okay. So 2014, a long time ago, um, I I was like doing surveys and stuff, and so they sent me a kit to do for free and so I did the DNA kit for free I did you know I wasn't going to pay for it but they sent it so I did it and so it sent because I wasn't sure is it legit whatever um so came back and so over the years a lot of my family has started to take the test so Father's Day weekend I get a message from someone who says hey I'm adopted but we just matched as close family members as either siblings and or first cousins. 
And I was like, okay. And it was this young man. And I looked at him and I could tell he was family just from looking at him. Mm-hmm. So we compared notes. I actually thought he was on my mom's side. His adoptive parents grew up a street over. They grew up on Guardian, a street over from my grandparents on Brookfield. Brooklawn, Brookfield. So I'm like, well, it must be one of my uncles, right? Because he knew yeah. who his mother was. So like, it must be one of my uncles from my mom's side. And he favored one of my uncle's kids. But then we started comparing um, relatives that we had in common. He turned out to be on my dad's side. And we determined that it was either going to be my father, because my dad's a twin too. Fun fact, my mother's identical twin. My dad's Oh my God. Um, <laughs> That's, 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 <laughs> so, that's very interesting right um so it turned out it was going to be between my dad being his father and my my uncle um and so I was so excited because I'm like oh my gosh I might have a brother like I was so ecstatic no so it turned out to be my cousin <laughs> not not my brother but still another family member just the same but yes um I said all that to say I'm an only child. Um, as a kid, I was okay with it because what I didn't want to share. I got everything I wanted, right? Um, but as an adult, you're an only child too. Yes, that's why I that I, yeah. I could hear it. I, that's why I could pick up on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but as an adult, um, I wish I had a, a sibling. Yeah, it can get lonely sometimes, right? Because your siblings, like I have three children and we always tell them hold each other down make sure each of you make sure each other's okay like you guys are going to be together longer than you're going to have mommy and daddy yeah right so i have friends they're close friends i have a lot of good friends i've had for for years however they're not obligated to check on me right i i totally understand that and i don't know if you remember troy um from high school that is my bff my brother for life i have troy on some of my like beneficiary stuff (laughs) so if something if something if something happened to me that's the dude that gets it now don't knock me off and then try go try and hold up troy and try and get it out up out of him not you i'm talking about the 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 Right. People, people in the listen. audience <laughs> but yeah i i know what you i know i know what you're saying i know what you're going through it's it, like when you don't have mm-hmm. siblings it, like when you young it's cool yeah i'm the only dude to come mm-hmm. to the school with these new jays on yeah. and everything else and but then when you get old wish you could trade all that in for somebody to lean on but i have a lot of good friends and family mm-hmm. like my aunts um that's that was the other thing I was going to say, because one thing they said to me just the other day, they said um, I was doing something for my mother. They said, well, she been our sister longer than she been your mother. So get out of here. <laughs> so mm-hmm. We sometimes forget, and I have that discussion with a lot of my clients sometimes. It's like when we get caught into that like um, trauma cycle about, things that happened to us and things we could control and the people who were responsible for taking care of us um, didn't do what they were supposed to do. I always remind them they they had lives before you, right? They were people before they were your parent. Yep. Right. And you have to extend the grace and the understanding 
that they had a life story before you existed. Yep. And at some point getting to the space of empathy at the, just being human beings, right? I always tell my clients, like when I meet them and we're trying to figure out if I'm the right therapist for them, I always say I'm human first. I'm human first. So I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. The important thing is to bring it into the room when we're having therapy so that it doesn't become an interfering behavior in the work you're trying to do. And I think realizing that your parents are human first. Yes, that's that's a huge thing. That, and something yeah. that, like you said, before they said that to me, it's, and, and as old as I am, they just said that to me like two weeks ago, and it made me yeah. <laughs> realize, yeah, this woman has been a person before I came along. And mm-hmm. it's hard for us to, for, to think yeah. that, but it's the case. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I used to call my mom, like we talked like 10 times a day and sometimes she wouldn't pick up and I would be like the audacity, like what are you doing? That's more (laughs) important than me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And that's, that, that, that makes total sense. Well, thank you for sharing all of that super story with us that, Mm -hmm. that just speaks to the volume of your role as a person in this world right now. I mean, you mm-hmm. are a mental health professional. That's what I like to talk about and discuss on my show a lot. So let me ask mm-hmm. you this. How did you end up yeah. in that role? Just not not as what a, you went through, like, school-wise, but uh-huh. just how did you know that yeah. you wanted to be a mental health professional? Um... Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I think, like, that's a good question. Um, I I remember it was my junior year of college and I was um, applying for the LSAT to go to law school, but I had an odd job. You know how in college you have odd jobs? So I was working at a daycare. I was working at a nursing home um, in the kitchen of all places, washing dishes and stuff. But, um, I loved connecting with the children, right? And then at the nursing home, I was in dietary in the kitchen, but during my breaks, I would go sit out in the living, I wasn't supposed to either, but I would go sit out in the dining area with the residents. And I remember there was one resident, Miss Coates, and I would always sit and talk to her. And um, she would tell me like how life was uh, when she was younger and she liked making jewelry and I would sit there while she would put together her necklaces and make all of her jewelry and it was just something about connecting with people um and really just like um wanting them to be heard because I would see them sitting out there by them and then the um the nurses or the CNAs would keep them out in the the um dining area for so long and they couldn't go back to their rooms until they came to push them back and so they would just sit there by themselves so I just love to kind of just sit with them and con- and just have conversation and just connect with them on a human level. Um, the children, too, like getting on their level and just understanding, um, you know, when children have a bad day, when they're acting out, it's because they're having a bad day, right? And they don't have the words to communicate it. And so that was when I knew. And then I had a psych one-on-one class and I fell in love with it. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should be doing this. And I remember calling my mom and my dad because I was was ahead. I was graduating early because I would take classes during the summer. Mm -hmm. And so I was almost done. And then I told my parents, ah, I don't think I want to be a lawyer. 
Like, I think I want to be a psychologist. I think they suit like, you oh so much gosh. better. So, so let me tell you. So then after I called my parents and they were just like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? You're almost done. I called my dad's mom. I'm really close to my grandmother. She's um, she's still living. She's my only grand- grandparent living still. She's 89. And I called her and I said, Grandma, so what do you think if I don't go to law school and I go to school to be a psychologist? And so she called, she was like, Walter, my grandfather, she's like, Camille said she's not going to go to law school. She's going to go be a psychologist. And they said, oh, thank God, because you were not going to be a good lawyer. That was not meant for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. I I agree. I was just going to say to you. You did not talk at all. <laughs> and this is the most I've heard from you in 20 years. And I was all over the place. I talked to everybody, everybody. Ah, I was just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And um, just to see the woman that you've become and all that you have to offer to the world is so refreshing and so beautiful to see because you would have them J's on and, and like the new ones too. And they, hey, like the new black and red <laughs> shoes. And yeah, just shake your head and keep on going. And not that I was trying to talk to you to do anything. I'm just trying to have a conversation, right. but that was just you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'm glad it, that you came to that realization. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I I get that part of my personality from my mom. She was very soft-spoken. She didn't talk much. Um, My dad is the complete opposite. He's like Mr. Extrovert. He has never met a stranger. Um, He will will make a friend in the grocery store line. Yeah, that's that's, that's me. (laughs) <laughs> I, I talk to anybody about anything my wife at times and then I must have a friendly face because people come up to and just start talking to me and I keep that conversation going mm-hmm. I said why you talk to all these crazy people all the time I said because they talking to me what I'm supposed to do so yeah and I'm the opposite so I you know because I suffer from RBF right rest in bitch face so <laughs> no I'm, I'm the total opposite no, you don't th- no I do actually. no I don't think so no. Okay. It's, it's, I get it all the time. Just from people that don't know how to crack their shell, i.e. me. But anyway, we're going to keep on going and keep on talking to you about mm-hmm. your business. So what advice would you want to give to somebody that's pursuing a career similar to the field that you're in now? Um making sure that you do your own work so that you don't burn out so quickly, right? Um, I always tell, um, I'm I'm not at the place where I do supervision yet, but I have like had interns in certain places that I've worked. And I always say, you have to be believable and you have to get buy-in from your clients. And the only way that's going to happen is if they know that you're walking your talk. Right. They have to know that what you're asking them to do, that you are willing and able and also doing yourself. Um, So you have to be, you know, when I was in grad school, I remember one of our professors, one of the things that I was told that was um, very helpful was great therapists have therapists. And if you are able and willing 
you need to know what it feels like to sit on the other side of the couch. Um, and so I did that and it's very beneficial, right? You have to know what it feels like to be on the other side. If you're going to ask someone to sit with you and be vulnerable, you have to be willing to do that yourself. That is so true. I have uh, uh, same thing I heard from my because I go to a therapist on my own. I have awesome. to get yeah. I have to get this stuff with this job that I have off my chest somewhere or another. And Absolutely. I would encourage people who are in the same job line profession do the same thing. So hopefully you find yeah. somebody to talk to, even if it's not somebody professional. Mm-hmm. Gotta you gotta do something with it. You can't just keep it to yourself at all. Yeah. You have to release. I always talk about envisioning like a pressure cooker, right? And so things build up. And so, you know, with a pressure cooker, you have the valve, right? And if you open it, if you don't open it and let the steam out before you take the top off, it's going to it's 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 explode. Yep. And it's so like, it's so, especially, I hate to pick on you guys, but especially men, right? Especially men. It's quite all right. Right. It's so hard. It's so hard. Um, I've had men that I've worked with, a veteran in particular that I worked with for a year before he trusted me, right? A whole entire year before he finally said, okay, you're not going anywhere, yep. right? So I can I can let you know what's really going on. Yep. That's, that's very understandable. And you talk about RBF. That's why I'm saying I don't get it because i can sit there and talk to you for for, forever i mean we sitting here looking at each other over this zoom well stream yard but right but i mean i but i it's a it's a little bit of a different comfort level even though we haven't seen each other in years right Mm -hmm. um but i know you right so it's it's a different comfort level um than just someone i've never met before like put me in a room of other professionals and tell me to network nightmare i can understand like, that nightmare small talk not my thing <laughs> i can see that from you so well I, if you need ever at a time for free just for you i'll come and i'll be your voice for you i'll just talk to everybody just around okay. the whole party that will, that just will for work. you and get get you all the context and <laughs> anything you need all the time so um what other question that i have for you what is what keeps you going that's kind of a because i know what keeps me going so i would think it's the same uh-huh. for you what keeps you going to keep helping people in your mental health crusade? Um, what keeps me going? Yep. Knowing, um, because, you know, like with, with therapy, we don't always see um, the the work that we're doing we, and the goals that the clients are working towards. We don't always see it come to fruition. So that can sometimes be hard because we don't get that immediate gratification, right? Or validation from the work that we do. I can see that. Um, I think getting the random, um, because at this point I've been, I've worked at several different agencies. um, And so I still have the same Google voice number. So when I get the random text from like a client I worked with a year and a half ago that says, hey, 
I got custody of my son back or, hey, thank you so much. I finally got that, you know, that job we were talking about, like I did it or, you know, like I'm, I've, I've been consistent with, you know, getting out and doing X, Y, Z and my depression's not so bad. Like just those random little texts, that's what keeps me going because I may not see them get the results that they want or meet the goal while we're working together. But to know that the seed was planted and they continue to do the work and to get those random messages every once in a while, yep. it lets me know like the work I'm doing is worth it. Okay. I am going to let you escape <laughs> because I don't want to keep you for too, too long. Um, it's been about 30 minutes talking to you and I okay. really appreciate you talking to me and speaking everything, mm-hmm. but I have a few more questions, just regular. Okay. Um, as far as your career mm-hmm. goes, who would you say mm-hmm. was most influential to you to get like, kind of get you going? Who helped you out the most besides your parents, your family, um, like maybe uh-huh. a teacher or somebody that you can say pushed you to really get going? Um, I, I guess like my first supervisor, um, when I had my first supervisor for practicum to be a therapist, she was very influential. She told me, um, find a niche, Right. It's, it's good to know a little bit about everything, mm-hmm. but it's it's awesome to have um, expertise in one particular area. And so I honed in on trauma and anxiety Specialized. and um, dialectical behaviors. Yeah, yeah exactly. So her I mean, she was she was a boss like she she started she was a, um, she was just covering like the outpatient services. Um, when I first started working there and then she worked her way up to, um, the direct, the clinical director of the whole company, um, while she was still like getting her doctorate, she was just like very, she was a motivator. She was a motivator for sure. Okay. Well, offline, I want to talk to you some more just personally. I'm telling you right Mm -hmm. now for all the audience to hear about some of the trauma Mm -hmm. things that I want to present to my audience Mm -hmm. a little bit better. Um, Mm -hmm. But two mm-hmm. more questions, and then, like I said, I'll let you escape. Okay. <laughs> what's what's okay. a common myth about your profession that you would like to debunk? Anything that people think that you say, nope, that's not true? Huh. Nope, that's not true. Um, hmm. Yeah, I got the best questions ever. That, I know that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think I think the common misconception that's frustrating for a lot of us and as mental health providers is that there is a hierarchy in like in order to get the best treatment, you have to go to a psychologist who's a doctor. Like you have to go to someone who's a doctor, right? Um, and then you have us master level clinicians. Um, we we do the same thing, right? Know. It's just how they have a little, they can assess, they can test you. Like psychologists can give you testing. Psychologists, psychiatrists can give you medication. However, social workers, clinical social workers, licensed clinical social workers, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor. We have a lot of specialized, <laughs> we have a lot of specialized. We um, hanging out here. After I see, yeah, I see. this is this is the, the the last show of the day. So, 
Like I said, okay. we're going to have you come on me. as a repeat guest because this is what my show is mostly about is mental health and everything mm-hmm. else. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, okay. I didn't mean to stop you. I don't, I don't remember what I was saying at this point. You were just talking about. But just basically. Yeah. About the different levels. So basically that you get better treatment from someone who's a doctor versus someone who's a master level clinician. I kind of give the the comparison of nurses and doctors, right? Like we we do a lot of the heavy lifting, right? It's masters and not taken away from psychologists. They earn the doc, you know, they earn that doctor behind their name. But um, I think sometimes we just get a bad rap as masters level clinicians. Uh can see that from the lamest terms, like from somebody that doesn't have any idea what's going on. I can see that. And I appreciate you debunking that fact because yeah, more, more times than, you know, people think, and, and, and it's one other thing that I would like to debunk for you. And you can tell me if you agree or okay. disagree, but people mm-hmm. think you go to a psychiatrist or psychologist and that they just fix you like you're a car or like you're oh. a robot. Like yeah. you just tighten mm-hmm. a few screws, mm-hmm. you change a few parts out here, mm-hmm. and then they're ready to go back out to the world. Is that the case yeah. or is that not the case? It is not the case, right? People always say, I'm coming to you to tell me what to do. And I always say, that's not my job. Yep. Right? I don't tell you what to do. It's kind of like there's a... Um, a guy on social media on instagram cure Ga- cure cure games not familiar but i will um, look k-e-k-i-e-r so he's so he's so he yeah he got really popular because he had this um he was walking down the street with his daughter he was talking about becoming a father and making sure you do your own work and address your trauma before becoming a parent it's really important and so all these celebrities started following him so he has a really big following on social media now um but he gave this analogy of he's also a licensed um counselor he's a therapist um in the dc area and so he gave this um analogy of your therapist is kind of walking the path with you like you're hiking and he's walking, they're walking the path. Our job is to clear the path so that you can keep going. Right? Oh, I like that. And so that's what we do. Oh, right? that's I wish, what we do. I wish that was yours instead of his, but okay. It, it I'm going to look him I up. I have a couple of analogies. Maybe next time if we do a part two, I have, I have my own analogies, but that one right there is. Um, oh, way to, way to keep that thirst going. I'm with that. That's 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 exactly what I want to hear. The last question, and now you got to come mm-hmm. back. You have no choice. Like even if I got to come and okay. tell you and your okay. husband, y'all got to come on and do it live right then and there. It's happening. But last question. Yeah. Is there anything that I should have asked you, but I didn't ask you? Um, what motivated me to step outside of my comfort zone? Yes. Yeah, I should ask you that. <laughs> well, now you got to tell us. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, again, just walking my talk, like I'm always talking to my clients about, it, you know, you have to step out your comfort zone. You can't, if you want to see progress, if you want to see movement, if you want to see growth, you can't stay stagnant and you can't stay where you're comfortable. You have to push yourself past your limits sometimes. 
So when I tell you like my heart is beating and I'm warm and I'm hot and I'm anxious doing this, I always do it scared. And so I just like, I did it because I need to walk my talk. That is you. Thank you so much. I really, 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 really more than I can let you know. Appreciate you coming on my show and talking to me and speaking with me. Um, You were phenomenal. Okay. No, you really, you really are. Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay. Every every episode, I feel like I get a touch bit better until I get to be perfect, and I ain't never gonna hit that. So I'm just gonna get a little bit better each time. And this is about my thirty-ish episode, and I'm gonna keep oh, this really? in there. Okay. Yep, I'm gonna keep this in there. Yeah. But please share this with your clients, your customers, your friends, your family, anybody mm-hmm. else. Um. Yeah. Just what you had to say offers so much value to uh, my community and to your community. And I really appreciate you coming on. And, yes, we are going to do this again as long as you feel comfortable. Was it okay? Yeah. Okay. It was. It was okay. I mean, again, I was nervous. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I'm good. Okay. The more you do it, the, the more you do it. You desensitize yourself. You take the power away from what scares you. There you right? go. And and next time we're going to get more personal. We talk about more personal, like mm-hmm. my life, your okay. life, friends, family, stuff yeah. like that. And where mm-hmm. you at and all the other fun yeah. stuff. Absolutely. It'll be fun. Okay. Stuff. It was good to see you. It was great it was to, see to see you too. And thank you so much again. Yeah. Like I said, I'm keeping all this in. And yeah. I'm going to end right now. This has been a Fire and Iron Media production. You have something to say, people want to listen. 